I've been studying financial institutions a lot lately, and one thing I've learned is that they all fundamentally do the same thing. They use capital to create more capital and basically take a profit off of economic activity. But there's differences between these financial institutions, and today we're going to cover one financial institution, specifically a bank, that has a little bit of a different flavor than some of the other big banks that we've been talking about. All right, let's talk today about Morgan Stanley. Welcome to Stock Stories. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Stock Stories, the show dedicated to helping you decode the business behind the stock. My name is Alex Mason. I'm your stock storyteller, and we're going through every component of the S&P 500. Today, I'm excited to talk about Morgan Stanley. We're going to be looking at the history, the business model, and the financials. All right, let's go. Morgan Stanley traces its roots back to J.P. Morgan Chase in the early 1900s. Now, Back in the day, J.P. Morgan was both a commercial bank and an investment bank. That meant that it could hold deposits and lend money to customers as well as advise on companies for capital transactions like mergers or going public. But in 1933, the Glass-Steagall Act was passed and it changed all of that. No longer could commercial banks and investment banks operate within the same business. And the politics behind this were driven by the aftermath of the Great Depression, which happened in 1929. And the act was created to prevent commercial banks from engaging in speculative investments that might put their depositors' money at risk. So J.P. Morgan decided to remain a commercial bank. So Henry Morgan and Harold Stanley decided to leave and create the investment bank of Morgan Stanley in 1935. Now, at the time of the firm's founding, because of its legacy business with J.P. Morgan, it already had 25% of the investment banking deals on Wall Street and quickly gained a reputation as one of the go-to investment banking firms. Over the years, some notable deals the firm was involved with include the IPO of General Motors in 1956. It also helped out with the merger of oil and gas giants Exxon and Mobil in 1999. Now, around this time, in 1997, the company was making some major moves of its own and merged with firm Dean Witter. Morgan Stanley executives wanted to expand their presence in the retail market since investment banking historically has always been very cyclical and volatile. Now, Dean Witter had a presence in credit cards, brokerage accounts, and a large network of millions of customers. Now, though the merger was difficult at first, the combined firm ultimately thrived and helped Morgan Stanley successfully diversify its business. It was also able to acquire online brokerage firm E-Trade in 2020 and also bought investment management firm Eaton Vance. Now, this increase in size allowed Morgan Stanley to ultimately become one of the biggest financial services firms in the world. And that brings us to today. So let's go ahead and talk about the business model of Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley primarily has three different parts of their business. The, one of the parts of their business is investment banking and capital markets. And that basically means two things. Number one, Morgan Stanley helps businesses have mergers and acquisitions. So helping companies buy and sell each other, essentially. And then they also have another part of their business called global capital markets. You can think of this as helping businesses raise money via stock or via debt, helping companies perform leverage buyouts and those kinds of activities. So the business generates fees from their investment banking operation. 
Morgan Stanley also has a wealth management division. And what that means is they help high net worth clients manage their money. That's what they do. So they have these relationships with wealthy individuals and their families, and they help them with financial advice. They have financial advisors, they offer them custom portfolios, and they make a lot of fees from this business as well. The third major part of Morgan Stanley's business is its investment management division. And I mentioned a few minutes ago that they purchased Eaton Vance in recent years, and this is part of their business now. So investment management, they just create different types of products. So mutual funds, hedge funds, private equity funds, all those kinds of financial products that institutions and individuals can invest in. Morgan Stanley helps create them and also enables the ability for them to invest in these types of products. So that's the third part of Morgan Stanley's business. I want to talk now about some of the financials of Morgan Stanley. And I pulled up the latest 10K from the, uh, the company's investor relations website. And here's what I found. So one thing that I want to note is the relative importance of Morgan Stanley's business segments. So we talked about these three segments, investment banking, wealth management, and investment management. But where does the money really come from here? Well, here we can see net revenues by segment. It looks like about 45% of the revenues come from wealth management and 45% come from institutional securities, which is that investment banking and capital market segment. And only a tiny segment, 10% comes from this investment management piece. And this has been true, not just in 2022, but over the last few years, which tells us as investors that Morgan Stanley's primary businesses are in wealth management and institutional securities. So that's really where the money is coming from about $24 billion each in revenue, and then just about $5 billion for the investment management segment. Now, if we go here to the income that these different segments are bringing in, we can see that the income distributions are relatively the same as the revenue distributions. Now, what that means is that the margins of these types of businesses aren't all that different from each other because it's not like one business is making smaller revenue but having outsized profit versus the others. So there's a relative balance here between the different business segments. Now, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna skip down to the financial statements. And here we're looking at the income statement for 2022. And we can see the relative re revenues as well as expenses for the business. But let's zoom out here and look at the big picture. In 2020, Morgan Stanley as an overall business has 48 billion in revenue. 2021, things went really well for them, 59 billion in revenue. And then last year, 2022, just 53 billion. So their overall revenue actually didn't fall that much. And I think that's a result of this diversified business model where wealth management is kind of helping carry them during the harder times uh, in terms of deal making. So we've seen how investment banking revenues have declined a lot in the past year uh, across firms. But Morgan Stanley still has their wealth management and they're making fees off of that. So overall, the business is a little bit more steady than some of their competitors. Now, if we go down here to net income, we can see that the profit hasn't really changed. It's actually exactly the same as it was in 2020, 11 billion, 179 million in 2020 and 11 billion, 179 million in 2022. So pretty stagnant there. But we should keep in mind that this was an incredibly volatile period for markets 
Interest rates have been going crazy in a way that we haven't seen in decades. And so for Morgan Stanley to be able to maintain their profits and still be a profitable business, I think is laudable. Now, one thing that we can look here in terms of the shares outstanding, not really much change here. This isn't really a business that buys back a lot of stock, but I want to look at another part of the financial statements. Now, going to the balance sheet, there's some changes here, but honestly, the business hasn't changed that much in terms of its capital structure over the years. I mean, they have a little bit of cash. This is a financial business, so their main assets are the loans that they create, even though they're primarily a, a banking business as well as a wealth management business, they do still have loans that they record as assets on their balance sheet. So that's what we're seeing here, almost $200 billion in loans held for investments and a trillion in overall assets and about a trillion in liabilities. So overall, just pretty much matched there. There's only a little bit of equity for the shareholders here. But I think this is just the nature of being a financial institution that goes into all this. But what I really want to talk to you about is the cash flow. So if we go down to the consolidated cash flow statements for this business, there's some interesting things here. First off, I want to point that the net cash provided by operating activities has been really volatile. So the actual money that's flowing into and out of the business as a result of Morgan Stanley's main activities has been up, it's been down, it's been kind of crazy. I mean, in 2020, they had a negative 25 billion in operating cash flow. 2021, it was a positive 34 billion. And then 2022, it was negative again, negative 6 billion. So it's kind of been all over the place. And I think this is just a result of the markets and what th how things have been going. But notice that they have been able to turn a profit from an accounting perspective. Now, cash flow from investing activities, nothing too interesting here. I mean, the business does do a lot of buying and selling. Trading is one of the main parts of their business. So that's why the numbers are pretty big here in on the order of tens of billions of dollars changing hands. But overall, there hasn't been any major acquisitions since 2021 when the company acquired Eaton Vance for $2.6 billion. But then going down to the financing activities, this is something that I want to point out here, is how much the firm is borrowing. Now, there's a segment here for payments for borrowings as well as proceeds from issued, issuance of borrowings. And we can see that proceeds from issuance of borrowings, that's new debt. Morgan Stanley is going to lenders and saying, hey, we want to raise some capital. So they give them a loan. That's what that is. And then payments for borrowing is how much Morgan Stanley is working to pay off that debt. And so we see that in 2020, they issued $60 billion in debt, paid off $50 billion. So what does that mean? That means their net borrowings were around $10 billion. 2021, they issued 90, paid off 70. 90 minus 70 is 20. So they their net issuance was 20 billion in debt. What about last year, 2022? Issued 72 billion, paid off about 35 billion. We'll go ahead and call that 40 billion in net issuances and borrowings. So Morgan Stanley is slowly but surely leveraging itself more and more. That's something I noticed on the balance sheet too. I looked at the balance sheet for 2022 as well as 2021 and 2020. And those debt levels are creeping up a little bit. And so I think that management could be a little bit more conservative here. But overall, we can see that the business is healthy. 
Another last point here on the financial statements, look at these cash dividends. Cash dividends have been going up like crazy. I mean, 2.7 billion in 2020 and 2022, 5.4. So literally the amount of dividends the firm has been paying has doubled in just a two year period, which is highly unusual. That tells you that the business executives are very confident in their ability to return cash to shareholders. So something to keep note of there. Last but not least, I want to talk to you about Morgan Stanley's stock price. What's been going on with the stock? Well, it's trading right now for about $86 per share. And if we look at the year-to-date numbers, the stock has barely budged this year. Nothing's really been going on, which I find interesting because a lot of stocks have been rallying so far in the first half of 2023. But the picture becomes a little bit clearer when we zoom out even further. If we look five years out. The stock has performed really well, up 83% over the past five years. Now, that's not tripling in value or anything like that, but that's still pretty good. And we can see something interesting happen here. The stock had a nice run up in 2021, just like pretty much every other stock. But look what happened in 2022. The stock went down, but not quite that much. It kind of rebounded and it's been going sideways here for about the last year and a half. And so what does that tell me? That tells me that the market is valuing Morgan Stanley as a more robust business overall than a lot of its peer banks. And I think this makes sense. When we look at the wealth management division of Morgan Stanley, their margins have gradually been increasing year after year after year, and the revenues have not been affected as much overall as some of their competitors. So Morgan Stanley is a more diversified business because it is a wealth manager and not just an investment bank like it has been historically. And we can see that stability reflected in the stock price. Now, looking at valuation, trading at 15 times earnings, okay, I mean, that's not too bad, I think. I think it's a decent price. doesn't seem like a a super big deal to me. But, um, you know, PE of 14.8, all right, not too bad. And then dividend yield is just about 3.6. So you're getting a decent dividend on on your cash. I would like to see a higher dividend yield. Of course, I'm always going to love to see higher dividend yields, (laughs) but that's just me. But overall, you know, Morgan Stanley has been performing very well as a stock, uh, but it is a financial firm. So keep in mind that you're going to see some more volatility with this kind of company than with other kinds of companies in different industries. But that's what I got for you today. This is Alex Mason with Stock Stories. I'd love to see you on the next one. Take care.